Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I started my business, Bia, to help women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from bad cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Lauren Castle, to our show today. Lauren is the founder and CEO of Sweet Lauren's, the better-for-you baking company that makes America's number one natural cookie dough brand on the market. After being diagnosed with cancer in her early 20s, Lauren faced many hurdles with treatment, depression, and her life being turned completely upside down at such a young age. Throughout the six months of chemotherapy, she dedicated her time to changing her diet, cutting out most dairy, artificial, and highly processed ingredients. She started taking cooking classes to learn how to make healthy and delicious food herself. One thing that stood out to her at the time was that she could not find any delicious, clean baked goods on the market, so she made it her mission to create her own. After experimenting with hundreds of recipes and sharing with family and friends, she eventually found the winning combination of ingredients that make her delicious cookie dough, and that's when the idea for Sweet Lawrence was born. In 2012, she caught the attention of Whole Foods through a few unexpected events and a few years later gained national distribution at Publix. They're now in over 25,000 retail stores all across the country. In this week's episode, Lauren talks to us about how she found her purpose while battling cancer, how she took her hobby and turned it into a real business, and all the steps that helped her validate that she was actually onto something. She also shares the details behind her deal with Whole Foods and the secret sauce that made them say yes and how she leaned into the customer in the first few years of business to tailor every aspect of her company from the packaging to even the recipes. Lauren also explains the journey she had to go through in finding the right manufacturer, the highs and lows of running a business over the past decade, and the importance of having solid mentors and a support system along the way. Lauren also talks about why she prioritizes self-care, how she fills her own cup, advice she has for up-and-coming women founders and so much more. Welcome to the show, Lauren. I am so excited to chat with you. Oh my gosh. Well, I know we briefly met, you know, late last year and I'm a huge admirer of you and your business and how you show up in the world. So this is going to be a fun one for me. I got a million questions, but before we go into your story, I actually love to get your perspective around a big picture question. You know, so many people have great ideas, but some people struggle to put it out there and create a real business behind it. What would you tell that person who might be listening, who may be in that position today? It's a great question. And I would say that there is such a difference between a great idea and a great business. And I think along my journey, I realized I loved business because it ensured that my passion for my idea was actually going to survive and make it in market. And I think when I realized like, like you can have a great product, you can have a great brand, you can have a great idea, but if it isn't a great business model, it's going to die. And you know, I think when I really started to understand what it took to start a business, I just fell in love with whatever creating a great business means, because that ensured that my product was going to be out there, was going to reach more people, was going to survive, and that it wouldn't just be a great idea. It would be something that would be sustainable and here to really make a difference in the world. So I think that like, really, if you really want to know the dirty truth, like creating a business is the grittiest eight days a week because it doesn't ever stop constant problem solving, constant building blocks, constant taking shots, getting no's, having patience, tweaking and, you know, improving. And really for me, it was realizing it's all about a team. Like I have, I'm a visionary. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a great product. I can create amazing new products. That's kind of my gift. I'm the face of my company, but who do I need to help me manage factories? Who do I need to help me manage the financial department? Who do I need to help me manage people? How do I hire the best people? Just realizing like, as you get bigger and bigger, how to just stack the right people all around you so that you're this really well-rounded company and you're really 
in my mind, it's not worth it if, unless you're like going for the best. So just like, how do you get the best of the best around you? Um, how do you really create something that is going to exist without you? I think, I think that was the other thing. I started my company totally, you know, by myself and I was a one woman show for a couple of years. And I realized like, what if I got sick? I mean, what if I want to go on vacation one day, you know, how do I build something that like is separate from me and can really stand on its own? And I think, you know, all those reasons are the reasons why I just, I love business now. I have a million thoughts I came up with what you said. And you mentioned, you know, in the early days, you were a one woman show, right? And I think sometimes because you're proving out the concept, you don't have a lot of money. Like a lot of people are kind of in that position early on. At what point did you realize like, oh shit, I actually need help. You know, maybe you hire your first contractor or a part-time person. Like when did that aha moment hit you? Well, I mean, even in the very beginning, the early days so I started Sweet Lauren's like really out of my mom's kitchen. I started to make my own healthier cookie recipes and I got into like some farmer's markets in New York City. So even that is a big deal. Like going there, setting up the table, carrying all of the cookies with you, selling like it, like how do you do that all alone? How do you even go in a bathroom break if you have no one else to help you? So I think like the early days, I was like, I need hands. And so in the very early days, I had interns help me. And like my sister, I have a younger sister, she would help me. And we're like, I'd have like friends come help me a little bit, whatever I could do to get by. So from the very beginning, I realized like we need as many hands as possible. But then once I got a product into Whole Foods, I was only in a couple Whole Foods in New York to begin with. And really you had to demo a lot to just, you know, drive trial and get the brand out there. And even in the demos, I would have, my phone would be, my factory would be calling me on my phone in the middle of the demo. And I remember picking up in the middle of the demo and I would get yelled at from like the manager of Whole Foods who would see me and be like, you can't be doing a demo and be on the phone. And, you know, I just realized, I was like, I can't, you, you can't do everything greatly yeah. if you're trying mm. to, you know, be a one woman show and it's not sustainable. And like, that's dangerous, you know, for the business. And so that's when it was just like, all right, who's my first hire? You know, my first hire was, was someone just kind of like a right-hand person that could kind of help me do anything, but very junior, you know? And then I think I realized I really needed to build a financial model and, a, and plan the next kind of three years. And then I brought on kind of a CFO slash COO. And then I brought on a VP of sales. And like from there, started to kind of really grow the team. Um, and today the team is very different than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Right. So also I think just being okay with like it changing over time and the right people coming in at the right time. I think before I used to feel like, Oh, I wish I have one person on my team now that was with me seven years ago, you know, but the team is amazing now. It's so much yeah. more senior. It's so much more experienced. I probably couldn't have attracted them, you know, seven years ago. So I think like just being okay with like the model changing as long as you, you know, are really making sure each department is covered. Yeah. I, and I love that you were hustling on the phone at Whole Foods, doing the demo, doing factory calls. And you mentioned like, it's not good for the business because if you're pushing at all cylinders, your problem solving skills, which you talked about being the most important thing starting out is jeopardized. And I realized that in my own life, I'm like, I'm so in it that I can't zoom out. And I, you know, I'm very aware of that, but it is, it's interesting. Cause you're like, no, I can do it all, but it actually might not be good as a CEO of the business. You know, if you had investors, I don't have investors. They'd be like, what are you doing? Yasmin? Like you're not leading the company the way you should be. So even if it's like hiring someone junior, getting any friends to help, like you did early on or your sister, like there's so many options, but yeah, and we'll definitely talk more about this. So I kind of fast forwarded, but let's start from the very, very early days. So I found actually your upbringing so fascinating. You know, you mentioned you talked about your mom and how you were creating the cookies, you know, in her kitchen. Tell me more about your parents. I know they were entrepreneurial and they really fostered, I feel like a sense of wonder and exploration free, which I think is so cool. So I'd love to hear more about them being role models in your life. Yeah, my parents were awesome role models in different ways. My parents got divorced when I was 14. So I will say, you know, I think from like an early age, I grew up in New York City on the Upper West Side. I think I was just exposed to a fast paced life very early on. Um, and my parents got divorced and, 
you know, I think, I think they were very real with my brother and sister and I always. And so I would say for my mom, my mom was an entrepreneur. She was a founder of a law firm and she just was really a pioneer. And she was never the mom that was like at the basketball game practice after school or something like that, you know, with snacks for everyone. I mean, she didn't have time for that, but this was also pre-smartphones. You know, she, when we would try to wait to have dinner with her, you know, to like seven o'clock, seven thirty, and like she'd come right through the door. And, you know, the first thing she would say is like, hi guys, you know, I'm home. You know, she completely like left work at work. And when she was home, even though it maybe it was only going to be a couple hours with her, it's not like she was home at, you know, 3 PM waiting for us. She was so on us, you know, so focused on each one of us, tucked us in at night, you know, checked in about our day was just really present. So it wasn't about like the amount of hours. It was just like really being present when she was there. And I think I'm, I'm sure I missed her and was like, oh, I wish my mom could come to more events and things like that at school. But at the same time, I was so proud of her. Like people would always go up to her and talk to her and talk about how she changed their life or how she improved things and inspired her. And as a young girl, it was amazing to see my mom, A, love her job, feel empowered every day, provide for our family. She was the breadwinner and, you know, and really just see her like making a difference in the world. So that was really inspiring. My dad in a completely different way. My dad's a little bit of an eccentric entrepreneur, kind of has his hands in everything. As a young girl, I mean, even to today, like, you know, he would never say no. It's not like he ever told me like, Lauren, you, I really like you to be a doctor or a lawyer. Never once put me in a box of what I should or shouldn't be. It was like, you can do whatever you want, go for it, you know? And I think because my parents both work for themselves, I just never, that was my role model. Like I just never saw a normal nine to five job. I just saw, you know, passionate parents that were doing what they love, that were juggling the ups and the downs. There was like a lot of ups and downs too in both of their entrepreneurial journeys. And I think I, I saw that. So but I, I think the pros outweigh the cons, you know, immensely. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. I love that your parents served as such an inspiration for you because I have seen the opposite happen where they've seen the true ups and downs of their parents being entrepreneurs and people are like I that's the last thing I want I want stability I want financial stability so it's cool to see how they truly influenced you and you know I want to go back to your time after graduation in college I know I believe you studied communications and you were really hit with some unexpected news. And I'm curious, you know, at that point in your life, in your 20s, what were your plans at the time? And how did those plans really shift when you had this new life experience? So went to USC for college. Right after I graduated, I went back to New York because my younger sister was looking at colleges. So I was like, all right, I'll go home, be with my mom and my sister, help her look at colleges and then I'll move to LA because I only went to college out here. I'm from the East coast, but I really wanted to like live in LA. I really didn't have plans in the back of my head. I thought maybe I would get my MBA eventually, but I had no idea what I was going to end up doing. And then a week before my plane ticket back, you know, to LA from New York at the end of the summer, I woke up one morning and the lymph nodes in my neck were incredibly swollen. Like mm. so weird something definitely fell off. I had no other symptoms. And my mom, unfortunately, had a type of cancer. And so she was like, I'm taking you to my doctor on Monday. Like she just was so freaked out. 
And I was 22. So I was done with my pediatrician. I didn't even have like a new doctor yet. And because I was moving to LA, I didn't even think I was like, Oh, I'll get all new doctors in a couple months when I move there. So I was in such a transition and I went to her doctor who was an amazing oncologist. And he looked at me and said, you either have nothing at all or Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I didn't even Google Hodgkin's lymphoma because I, there just was no way. There was no way that like I had cancer at the age of 22. I had just graduated college. I felt invincible on the outside. I looked super healthy and fit. I was really into yoga. I'd become a yoga teacher as well. Like I just thought I was like really like the face of you know, healthy, but you know, you can't see what's on the inside, what's happening a lot. And so he was like, cancel your plane ticket. You are not going anywhere. And after a month of testing, they had to do a biopsy. They found out that I had Hodgkin's lymphoma stage two, and I had to undergo six months of chemo immediately. So while all my friends were, you know, partying, starting their first real jobs, you know, finding their first apartments, I moved back home with my mom, back to New York City. You know, this wasn't in the plan. And I was going to her doctor, you know, using her doctor's office. And so, yeah, that's that's when like the, I think I've always been a very optimistic person and a positive person, a happy person. And I just really kind of hit rock bottom for the first couple of months going through that because I just felt stunted and I didn't know what the outcome would be. Like, I didn't know if I was A, going to survive. And even if I was going to survive, like, was I going to have like PTSD for the rest of my life and just feel very like scarred and kind of beaten down? And, you know, would I ever feel great again? And you know, I was gonna have to catch up to all my friends who were like, you know, a year plus ahead of me. And I mean, the whole thing, who's going to want to marry me, I'm going to be kind of broken in some way. Like, I just really, I, I, it was such a negative thing in my life. And after I think a couple months of just feeling super low, some, I also started seeing a therapist that worked with cancer patients. And she said to me, don't you see how this could potentially be like a positive how this could empower you to be like even more empathetic, smarter, have an understanding of, you know, health and the body, how precious life is. And when she said it, just something in my brain completely clicked where instead of this whole thing being the scariest, worst thing that could ever happen to me, I just like made up my mind. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to turn this into my biggest strength, my biggest positive. And I created like a tunnel vision for that. And so the first thing that kind of came to me was like, okay, what else can I do to empower myself to be the healthiest version of myself and fight this so that not only do I get through this, but I'm like so healthy and happy on the other side. And food to me just is like the most important thing. I mean, it's, it's the fuel that, you know, really fuels us. And so, and I just started to become very sensitive to food. And so I was like, God, I just don't feel good, like mentally or physically when I eat that packaged product, whatever it was. And so I just went back to basics and was like, to start cooking, started to take cooking classes so I could like actually learn how to cook. Cause those are things that, you know, no one's taught unless like your yeah. grandmother or mom teaches you. And at 22, I mean, I knew how to cook a little bit, but not really. And so I was like, I'm going to take cooking classes. So I know how to like saute vegetables, how to make salad dressings that are delicious, how to, and how to, and then I'm going to study nutrition and I'm going to figure out how to make the healthiest foods taste the best through cooking classes. And I'm just going to fuel myself with the most nourishing food. And, you know, mental health is super important as well. Like just I was always into yoga, but I got even deeper into like meditation and just the way I spoke to myself and really kind of controlling my anxiety. So that became my journey was just like, I'm going to heal myself through mental and physical and healthy food. And um, I started to become a really good cook. Like I felt like you just need to learn kind of the basics and, you know, I can make really great marinades and dressings and grains and different types of vegetables and things that just, you you know, you're not normally taught and but when I, I just have a huge sweet tooth. And when I, you know, I looked at like all of the dessert recipes in the cooking class, everything was just not healthy. It was just refined flours and sugars and tons of butter, or heavy cream. And it just, I was like, that doesn't fuel me. And so like, is there a way to recreate my favorite recipe, but like with less processed ingredients so that I actually feel good physically and mentally after I eat it. And that really became 
like the seed to Sweet Lawrence. You know, I actually, before I was prepping for your your interview, I had no idea about your backstory. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine getting diagnosed with cancer so early. You know, you feel good in your body. You you were doing yoga, like you just graduated. I can't imagine what that would feel like. But so cool that you had a therapist that was able to kind of rewrite the story for you at the time and really empower you to like get through this. And like you said, it really planted the seed for your company. But at the moment, you know, I, I believe if I did the prep correctly, like this was still a hobby, like you were creating different things for friends. And I believe you were still dabbling in different jobs. So maybe you can kind of share high level about, you know, once you kind of went into the workforce, what did that look like for you? Kind of after a year of being, you know, from diagnosed to chemo, to all, you know, all the follow-up tests and stuff. It kind of was like a year of my life that was like a wash. And all of a sudden I'm like 23 and my doctor's like, you're cancer free. I still need to do scans every six months. We kind of have to really watch you closely for the next five years. And then like, you know, you'll be diagnosed cancer free. And so I didn't want to go back to California because I still wanted to be close to my doctor. My mom, unfortunately, had a type of cancer still. She had a type of leukemia. And so I just couldn't, I just needed to be near home. And so, you know, after, you know, he kind of said to me, all right, Lauren, this is amazing. You're cancer free. You're done with chemo. You know, go get a job. Be normal. I mean, I was like, how do you be normal now? I felt like I was on a different planet. And I also felt like I'd aged 30 years. You know, I wasn't this like, let's just go get drunk and party, you know, mindless kind of invincible 22 year old. Like I just was really serious all of a sudden. And so I really tried to get other jobs. Like I tried to get into a finance company and I just didn't fit the part. Like I'm not a, you know, I just, I went through several interviews, but could never land something. And when I looked at like what the job entailed, I was like, it's just not like creative enough for me. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to be happy. Then I tried to work for a PR company for a little bit because, you know, I'd done communication and I loved, you know, brands and better for you brands. And, but it didn't feel um, impactful enough. So it's just like nothing stuck. I mean, I had a job for a little bit in like the summer and I just, I was miserable. Worked for a wine company, kind of getting interested. I was like in the you know, food, food and wine, like really interests me because it was just about fun. Really. It was about bringing joy to people. And I really, I realized like, I love people. Like I love making people happy and I love creative things. I love health and wellness things. I love business. So like trying to figure out how to combine those things. And again, I don't regret trying all these different types of jobs because it helped me. It helped me weed out like what felt good for me. And like, and after going through cancer, like you know, I'd made up my mind, like, if it's not worth it, I'm not going to do it. Like, if I don't love what I'm doing, it's not worth it. Like life is too short. It's too precious. So, you know, really did this deep soul searching, what feels good. And so I finally started managing a restaurant in New York and realized that like, you know, they were asking me to create the brownie recipes, you know, on the dessert menu and things like that. And I was like, I'm not a pastry chef. Like you should be able to hire some for the, someone for this, but realized like, you know, desserts make people so happy and realizing that like I kind of had built this gift because I had been baking and cooking so much at home over the years and, you know, realized while working in that restaurant that like I was miserable. Like I hated the boss. He didn't treat me well. It wasn't professional. I didn't feel like I was like reaching my potential. And for all those reasons, like I, every time I'd go home, I'd realize like, I'd, I'd be like cr- trying to create a new recipe in the kitchen. And I realized like the baking had became kind of my therapy. It like always made me feel good. It always made other people happy. It was like, it always soothed me and like calmed me down. And it really was my creative outlet. And I realized like, I'm a very creative person. I need to have an outlet. And so I need to find something that kind of combines all these interests of mine. And so yeah, they none of the jobs were amazing, but again, they helped me realize like I got to the point one day, I also waitressed. I, I got to the point one day when I was waitressing that I was like, you could not pay me a million dollars tomorrow to come back in. You know, it got yeah. to that point where you're sure. just like, yes. no, I yeah. never, I'm not doing this again. I'm not meant to do this. I'm just, I, I won't, I won't do it. And so it's not about the money. It's about like 
finding something that like sparks joy in my life and makes me feel like I'm reaching my potential. And like, again, finding a way to like turn this whole crazy thing that happened to me into a positive thing. And so, yeah, just, I kept baking and I kept, I realized it was like the thing, it became my hobby, like the thing I just loved doing. No one was making me do it. And that's where I, you know, started to come up with like great ideas. Yeah. And I love also just how you had all these different jobs, right? Like you were a waitress, you were managing a store, you tried to work at a wine company, PR, like having those experiences is so helpful because like you mentioned, you realize what you don't want to do. And then you're like, okay, I've tried all these things. Maybe it's that one thing that keeps me happy all throughout it, which is your baking that could turn into something. So I think a lot of people sometimes don't dabble enough in different jobs. And I think it sometimes in a positive way can give you perspective around, okay, I've tried all these things. I'm not happy. Should I really go and follow my gut of what truly makes me happy? So I'm curious, you know, you're baking. It's what is your creative outlet? When did you realize like, oh, like there's something here. This could be a business. Like when did that really shift in your mind? So after um, three years of kind of baking, on the side, I was, I was teaching yoga, you know, I still was like hustling, doing a million things. I think I came up with a chocolate chip cookie recipe that, uh, everyone I made it for, like, I just would watch the reaction and they were like, wow, like their eyes would pop out of their head. And I would give these cookies to every type of person. I'm talking little kid to grandmother, every type of every race, every socioeconomic background, like it was, it was just humanizing. Everyone loved a cookie, like a warm chocolate chip cookie out of the oven was like euphoric. And so after kind of, you know, I came up with like 10 top recipes, but chocolate chip cookies are always the number one seller for everyone. (laughs) I have a younger sister. She's super picky. And she was like, Lauren, this is the best cookie I've ever had. Um, Also, I should say, I also, during all this time worked at Levan Bakery, which I don't know if you know it, but it's kind of a famous New York bakery. They're now all over. And so there I really saw how much people loved warm cookies and would line up for cookies and how I just kind of wanted to create my own better for you version of that experience. And so I think like for some reason, a warm cookie was like the pinnacle of all the all everything I'd done. I wasn't doing like fancy cakes and things like that. It was it was really different types of cookies. And so it was this hobby. And then I was like, you know what? Someone told me to enter this baking contest. So I entered a baking contest and I won. And the judge was this woman. Her name was Gina De Palma. She was kind of a famous pastry chef in New York. And she came up to me and she was like, you need to do something with this. Hmm. And that was the first time someone not in my family, not my friends, like really was telling me that like there could be something here. And that was the first time that I was like, wait a minute, could this really be something? And then I entered a contest called the Next Big Small Brand for Food. And it was like a New York City food contest with some really cool food brands. And I won. I won. I won the People's Choice Award and like the Next Big Small Brand for Culinary Genius. And like that just solidified to me that my friends and family weren't just being nice, you know, that there was like a real need, experts were seeing it. And that, you know, again, because I'd had those terrible jobs before, even though entrepreneurship is the hardest job you could ever pick, I realized it was my only path. And that Mm. I so didn't want to ever have a job job again, that I would do whatever it took to get a business off the ground. And I think that was a really important point because it was like, I was so unhappy with those other jobs that I don't care what it takes. Like I'm I'm committed to it, you know? And so, so that's really what happened. And so those two things kind of set me off. Um, I started, I I took a business writing course. I, my family wasn't in the food industry. I had no friends in the food industry. I didn't even know what CPG consumer packaged goods, you know, meant. Right. And because I had worked at Levan, I, in my head, I was thinking maybe I'll open a bakery you know, but then I was like, I saw how hard opening a bakery was. It was open seven days a week, 24 hours. Like if the plumbing bursts, you know, you're as the owner going down and fixing it. And I, I didn't want that. I wanted something that was highly scalable that really could help change the food industry that could make money while I slept. And, you know, something that could give me like 
again, being an entrepreneur, starting a business, all that was worth it. All of that hustle and working, you know, eight, you know, eight days a week was worth it in the sense that I had freedom. And that's all I wanted was like freedom to have like my dream life and freedom to live the life I want and do the things that I want to do. And so, you know, really creating a business model around that is like really what got me inspired. So took a business writing course so I could write a business plan for Sweet Lawrence. And that really helped me because it helped me just like be around business people and think about what kind of model, again, this was my intro to business, like what kind of model do I want to create to create the life I'm looking for? And a, a bakery that was open every day of the week was not it. So even though I love like the idea of, you know, serving people every day. So a package product was was the way to go. I didn't know what type of package product. So in my business writing course, a guy in the class worked in Whole Foods. And I said to him, like, Corey, how does one get into Whole Foods? And he was like, oh, I'll let you know. And he like called me the next day and was like, oh, I set you up. You have a meeting with the head buyer on Wednesday. Crazy. So, <laughs> crazy. So because I like had won these contests and I had this confidence and I, I was like, you know, you get one shot, one shot at going for everything. Like I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to show up. I'm going to give it 110%. And I'm going to, whatever I say, I'm going to commit to it, you know? So I wrote a one pager business, a one pager on what Sweet Lawrence was. My website said coming soon. You know, I didn't have a package product, but I made like my 10 top favorite cookie recipes, brought them in a pretty box, met with the Whole Foods buyer. And he was like, what, these are the best things we've ever had. Like, and, and he really helped me because we walked around the store and we were like, do we want, do I really want to sell a package baked cookie? Well, I could do that, but I don't know how much of like a super wow experience it's going to be. And like, do you have to add preservatives or what do you need to do to have it sit on the shelf life for a long time? Then we looked at cookie dough and I was like, honestly, I'm just telling you what I see. People are obsessed with my cookie dough. Like people want to just say, people say to me all the time, Hey, can I just buy your cookie dough so that when I'm home later, I can make it for my kids or myself because when it's warm out of the oven, that's when it's best. And so he was like, no one's built the next brand name in natural cookie dough. Like that makes total sense. And so he placed an order the next day and that's what got me off the ground. And just having Whole Foods, again, I was only in like three stores, you know, definitely not making money yet, definitely not profitable yet, but just having their name behind me, just having one of those contests, it was enough in me to say, Lauren, like you believe in yourself. Now you've been validated. Now it's all about making a business work. I mean, I love all this because even going back to those two competitions, like you were seeing the momentum, like, yes, you were working hard. You weren't sure exactly what it was going to look like, but you were on the right path. There were signs that people are liking it. Your friends, your family, your winning competitions. Like sometimes I just love to share that because sometimes people think like you need an idea and the next day you start it. It's like you kind of start and it guides you a little bit. Even your meeting of the Whole Foods buyer, like, talk serendipity or just putting yourself out there. Like they're all doors. And what I think is so cool that I want to highlight is you had no product. You literally said you had a website with like barely any writing, but you showed up with confidence in that meeting. And I'm just curious, like you mentioned, you know, how did you show up with that confidence? Because a lot of people would be nervous. Like, were you nervous? You know, I don't have experience in the food industry. I'm not a chef. Like I'm not a pastry chef. Like how did you show up with your best self? Cause I think a lot of women, can hopefully take, you know, learnings from that. So again, I was so, I think once I saw the reaction of people have the product, I really, I realized like it wasn't about me. Mm. Um, I saw so many people be like, oh my God, I want to feed this to my kids. I don't want to buy the processed stuff on the shelf. Like I, you know, I started to really see that there was such a need out there. And that was so exciting to me because it felt like, I felt like I'd found my purpose. I felt like that was the way that I could take, you know, this dark time I went through and turn it into something magical, something that made people happy, that improved the food system, that made it cleaner, that, you know, made people feel great. And so, and I, you know, done all those terrible jobs so that I was like, this is my shot. Like I'm, I, I have to be an entrepreneur. It's my only way out. How do I have fun with this? And how do I not have regrets? And so, you know, again, I, I was all alone and I just was like, there's no one else that's going to do this for me. If I want this for my life, then I have to do it myself. And I'm the only one responsible. I can't blame it on anyone else. And so I took a couple of meetings with 
like my mom helps, like she sent an email out to her friends, let's say, and was just like, is there anyone who's ever sold anything in the food industry or knows anyone like could just meet with Lauren for half an hour, you know? So like a couple of her friends, you know, just spent like an hour or half an hour with me. Um, one of her friends that was in marketing helped me like name it sweet Lauren's and sit down with me. She helped me write a one pager of just like, okay, why'd you create your brand? Let's put it in a one paragraph story. Okay. What does your brand stand for? Like what kind of ingredients will it use? Will it not use like, you know, okay, great. So it's all about, you know, simple, good ingredients, never anything artificial, um, you know, okay, great. What, you know, what flavors are you going to present? You know, just so it, it really helped me. So I think like asking for help, meeting with people, learning from people. I think that's also been something that's been probably my biggest strength is like, I'm very coachable. So like I have mentors, I asked to meet with people. All I want to do is learn and get better. I didn't know anything. So I wasn't trying to have an ego here and be like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I was like, just teach me what would look good. How does this come across? Just, I just need one page to bring to Whole Foods. That's okay. You know, I didn't know, but I was like, let's go on an adventure here. Like life is short. I'm going to show up and be hundred percent myself. And again, I never really, I'd never sold it before to anyone. I didn't honestly feel that comfortable even telling the story of Sweet Lawrence because I get emotional every time I think about what I went through. You know, it's like, it's, and it's also not very appetizing. Like, you know, let's talk about cookies and cancer. And, but I realized every single person that I, that I would talk to that would say like, oh, this is such a cool concept. Like, why did you create it? You know, I had to tell the story. The story was my why. And once I told the story, it automatically emotionally connected me to that person. And they just understood like the gravity of like how important food is and how we take life for granted sometimes and how important just our health is. And how good ingredients could only enhance how we feel and our energy. And so all that to say is I just was like, Lauren, let's just see how this goes. Let's have fun with this. Let me show up a hundred percent. And you know what? Kind of white lie a little bit, you know, like I, when I met with him, he was like, okay, so when can you get this to us? And I was like, oh, like in a month, you know, like in my head, I was like, I will hustle and I'll find a factory. I'll start producing it. You know, I'll design packaging. And in a month, I should figure this out. It took seven months, you know, to do all of that. And, he, you know, and he was like, you know, we talked about doing baking mixes or cookie dough or, you know, all the things. I was like, he was like, what can you do? I was like, I can do anything. I can do anything you want to order from me. I can do. And so I wouldn't necessarily, you know, tell people to go in and do that, but it was just market research. Like, what are you looking for? You know, you're a Whole Foods buyer. You know where there are white spaces in the market. What are what do you think would add value to your store? What are you missing? And so it was really helpful to, you know, hear him say, like, no one's built the next brand name in cookie dough. Like all every family here wants cookie dough. He was like, I have two kids. I I want cookie dough that's better for you, but it has to taste great. And you figured out how to do those things. So I think it's just so important to believe in yourself and have that confidence and have fun with the journey. And again, like you are your word. So all I had was my word and like communicating with him and realizing what need he was trying to solve and what need I was trying to solve. And I just stayed in touch with him for those seven months. And thankfully he didn't like leave Whole Foods during that time or anything. He just, you know, he understood that like, you know, I was like, it's taking a little bit longer at the factory. And he understood like these things are very complicated. And so I think that's really my best advice is like to have fun with it, to, to over communicate and to just be your word. So, you know, I did show up seven months later, you know, with product and, you know, I demoed it and I did whatever I could to ensure it was successful. I love that. One thing you mentioned that I think is so helpful, especially if you're not going to meet a timeline and that happens in business. What I've realized quite fast, nothing ever works out exactly the way you want it, but over communicating is so key, like whether it's to your customers or your, you know, your first vendor like Whole Foods, like, and he gave you grace because he knew as a person, you've been very upfront with him and you ultimately delivered on that. So I love that because I have noticed some people, if they're going through a hard time, they kind of go silent and I'm like, wait, what's going on? Like, so people get nervous, but it's actually a good thing to communicate. Like even with customers, like we had, we sold out, we had an inventory issue, all the worst stuff. And luckily through this podcast, I learned like, 
be vulnerable, over communicate, and people will be with you on the journey. And it's so true. Like it's actually a beautiful thing. So yeah, that's exactly right. Be vulnerable, over communicate. Otherwise, people, it's it, it's what a lot of people do. They just totally go silent when something yeah. goes wrong. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, now you're just, you know, confusing me or making me feel like you're not a viable business person. What I want is honesty. What I want is a relationship. What I want is to know I can trust you, you know? So yeah, I just learned that very early on. Totally. No, I love it. And you know, you were someone, as you mentioned, who wasn't in quote unquote, like CPG, you've never worked with a factory before. And like your first PO with Whole Foods, like that's no joke. Like you can't do that in a commercial kitchen and, you know, sell to a few customers. Like you had to like really think about the right partner to scale at least, you know, early on. So how did you find the right factory? I mean, were there any hiccups that you kind of came across? I'm sure there's so many, but tell me because I'm in the thick of it and I'm like, gosh, there's oh always something going on. God, where do we start? <laughs> I've been doing this over a decade now. Now we're on our fourth and fifth factory. So, you know, it's been a journey, right? We're not at the first factory I ever found. So I didn't know anything. Once I got the order from Whole Foods, I was like, oh, you know, oh my God, like I, I got to I got to do this now. And because I was a one woman show, there was no way I even wanted to be in the kitchen making it. You know, I could have like, you know, rented a space and been the one producing my own product. From the very beginning, I was like, I need to sell it and to manage things. Mm. I don't have a team. So, and I, and I really, I love creating recipes, but I don't like being the one creating the product that's exhausting for me. And I actually like end up hating it. So, yeah. and that's why like being in a bakery too much was not my thing because I, it, it ends up taking over because baking is no joke. It's very labor intensive. And so I Googled all of the cookie dough factories I could find. And I should say like, it's amazing. Factories all over are very top secret. It's not like there's, there's lists you can find, but most of the good factories aren't even on those lists. So there's a lot of factories out there, but they're very top secret. They don't do a lot of marketing. They don't do have, you know, SEO. They're hard to find because honestly, they just want heavy hitters working with them. They don't want a ton of like tiny brands that are going to come and go out of business or whatever, waste their time. So I found a new factory that was just opening up. It was in Kingston, New York, which was like a three and a half hour bus ride. And I just, they're, what I loved about them, because I found other cookie dough factories, but they had huge minimums. Like they were like, the minimum run is 2000 pounds. We can make it for you. And it's like, when you're just starting out and you're in a couple Whole Foods, you know, the first store I got into was one Columbus Circle Whole Foods, which is, I think like the busiest Whole Foods in the country. But, you know, I got into one store. They're not going to order a million dollars worth of product, you know, in one store. So it started really, really small. So I found this factory that was in driving distance that could do as small of a run as I wanted. Like they were like, we could start with 30 pounds of cookie dough, 50 pounds, a hundred pounds. And so to me, that felt like manageable and I'd never scaled a recipe. It's very different. Like, you know, making a little batch in your kitchen that makes, you know, 50 cookies versus, you know, all of a sudden we're making hundred pounds of cookie dough, you know, to fill order for whole foods. So, but I just started multiplying the recipe out. Yeah. You know, and by the way, this factory I found, they had mixers. They didn't make cookie dough presently. So it's not like they were super helpful and like, they're like, oh, here, give me your small recipe. I'll batch it up for you. I know what to look for. They were like, we'll make whatever recipe you give us. So I was like, all right, let me, you know, 30 times my little cookie recipe and let's see how it comes out. And of course it like came out a terrible mess because like you don't need as much baking, you know, soda and as much oil or, you know, like you really, it's not just as simple as multiplying the recipe by 30, you know, the, the measurements kind of completely change and baking is such chemistry that I really started to like understand how these ingredients work together. So I had to throw out a ton of the first, you know, probably three batches because you know, I just was going off intuition of like, oh, that feels too, that it's too salty now. There's too much oil. There's too much flour. It's not rising enough, whatever it was, just tweaking it on my own. Um, and finally we got there and then it was like, how do I even get it shipped from this factory? It's <laughs> yeah. like three and a half hours away. So then I hired a guy I met who worked in the factory to drive it down and drop it off for me. And I bought him this huge like cooler bag that kept it cold in the back of his car and he delivered it for me. And so when I just like look back to like 
I was super hustler mode. I mean, and it was exhausting. I would take that bus ride up over three hours there and back the same day. You know, it was exhausting, but it was also exhilarating because, you know, as you said, like the second I started the business, the second I started the idea, there were all these breadcrumbs of opportunities and like it just started to take a life of its own. And all of a sudden I realized that like I was working the craziest, longest days and I loved it. Like I loved building a website. I loved building a brand. I loved figuring out the packaging, I, even though demoing it was so exhausting. Cause mind you, I would have a suitcase, a rolly suitcase with a toaster oven and my cookie dough. I'd have to bring that on a New York city subway into Whole Foods to set up, plug it in, bake off fresh cookies, you know, give them to people. It's New York is so busy that like the samples were gone in three seconds. I had to, I was baking constantly, you know, chocolate everywhere. It's messy. You know, it just like, it was exhausting, but it was exhilarating. And I think that, you know, I started to just like, like I didn't even have time to stop. Cause like, there just was always something to do. And it really had legs of its own from the beginning. And that's when I was like, I'm just, I'm going with it. Cause like, there seems like there's a need here and it's taking on a life of its own. I love that. It's so interesting because to your point, like you're working a lot in your business, but you have this passion and the why behind it. And like, it gives you this incredible energy. It's like your secret sauce because I'm like, I've worked a lot in other jobs. I was miserable. Now I'm working even more, which I didn't even know was possible, but like, I'm okay. Like I, you just have this energy, this different being. And that's why, you know, it's clearly you're so passionate about what you do. And I always tell people like whatever business you're going to do, if you don't enjoy the impact or you need to find something that drives you, it's going to be miserable. No, like, you have to be obsessed with greatness obsessed. Yeah. It has to be like in your core of like what you believe in, what you want to fight for every day, what you love. Like if you can create a business that's tied to that, something so deep in you like that, like you will be able to show up every day and handle all the crazy, all the disasters, have fun with the, the ride. I mean, supermarkets meet like once a year, basically to review what products go in, like the amount of patience we've had to have to just every year wait for the retailer, you know, the supermarket to meet with you, to you know, eventually go from Whole Foods to Target, you know, to Publix, to Kroger, to Stop and Shop, to Wegmans, you know, it's like one by one hitting all the major supermarkets and it just taking, you know, it's a very different model than like launching something online, you know, because you can just launch it tomorrow and see what happens. This is like working with all the major supermarkets and their timelines. So yes, I just think you have to have that like this is, it's just like a spiritual experience for me beyond like yeah. the business. Like I feel, yeah, like it's emotionally, you know, connecting me to people. And that's really what happened. I mean, I, I set up the demos in Whole Foods at the beginning and I learned so much because it was amazing. You know, you were one-on-one -on -one with the customer and like hearing the response. And so, you know, demoing the cookies over and over again, I just would hear from every type of person, this is the most delicious thing. And this is a brilliant concept. Like, of course, I want to buy the healthier version of cookie dough, of course. And then I would start to hear, but my kid has a nut allergy or my husband's gluten-free or I'm trying to be plant-based. And so over time, I've made the recipes, you know, not just simple ingredients better for you, nothing artificial, obviously, you know, it's also gluten-free, it's allergen-free basically because we're dairy-free, we're nut-free we're egg-free, we're plant-based, we're soy-free. And so I think, you know, we've created really something that just is for everyone, for like the athlete to like someone who just wants better for you to, you know, families that have someone in them that has some sort of food allergy or dietary restriction. And so I think I became obsessed when I would hear like the life-changing stories from customers of like, oh my God, like this product got us through COVID oh my God, like my kid now feels normal because they can eat the same delicious cookies at the birthday party as this other kid. Or, you know, a 93-year-old grandma who's like, I bake two or three cookies a night because, you know, I'm gluten-free. And it's like the only thing out there that like, it just like makes my whole day, you know, it's my happiest moment. And, you know, anyway, it's just every type of person we're getting. And that honestly is now what fuels me. It's like, the amount of messages and emails I get on a daily basis make me feel like I'm actually doing something that people love, that's making the world better, that is making healthier food accessible and exciting because it's delicious and it's priced well and it's accessible in every type of supermarket. You know, we're not just in Whole Foods anymore. We're, you know, in 
Target, right? Like mass supermarkets. So I've been invited to like two of our customers' weddings, you know, people I've never met, you know, someone just named their kid Lauren, you know, after us. Like it's, it's so sweet. And so I think seeing those things, I'm like, that's why it's not about me anymore. It's about like, what is the biggest positive impact we can have? Because now there's a platform and it's taken this long to build this. And now I'm like, we got to reach our potential. It's so amazing because you guys have had, I mean, you have grown significantly, but it's been slow and steady, right? You were in a few Whole Foods, like you were doing those demos for a while. You were changing the packaging because you were hearing from customers. Like you were very much on the ground, figuring it out before you've really scaled. And I'm curious, you know, getting into retail is not cheap. Like how have you thought about fundraising as you've kind of grown the business over the past decade? When I got into Whole Foods and a couple and and Publix, so I got us into Whole Foods and then I got us into Publix and then Kroger supermarkets on my first meetings. And those are other crazy long stories. But, you know, once we got that distribution, I was like, okay, this is a multi-million dollar business and I need a real team because you can't mess it up. You get like one chance with these big guys. And and it is so complicated. The paperwork, the marketing you sign up for, it is it can be so expensive. So first I tried to find every loophole possible. Like we're woman business owned. Like tried to get, you know, a reduced slotting or no slotting because we were a small business. Sure. We were better for you. We're woman business owned. Like supermarkets should be doing a certain amount of business with minority owned businesses. And there's so few of us out there. So I just looked for every type of loophole possible. I raised from an angel investor and some friends and family um, in the early days, more than seven years ago. And then I, one of my, my angel investors really like my business mentor. And like, we just had a goal from day one of like, we're going to build a profitable business. And this will be like potentially the only raise we ever need to do. And so that became my mindset. And every week I'd meet with him for two hours and we'd go over the financials and we'd go over the pricing and we'd see how we can build a really healthy, sustainable business. And again, I became obsessed with learning from him and learning about a healthy business because otherwise, you know, without a healthy business, you have nothing. Like the whole business could go bankrupt. It yeah. could be out of business. And then my whole mission and purpose is gone. So I just was so respectful and obsessed with you know, how to build a healthy business and how to bring mentors around me. So brought him on as a really close mentor. And so again, listening to customers, I mean, I would just hear, you know, again, I didn't have money for like buying data and really doing big research. It was really just me hearing from the, you know, hundreds of messages we were getting and doing demos and seeing people face to face, hearing p- people's requests for kind of making it allergen free over time. So, because again, when I started the concept of Sweet Lawrence, like it wasn't to be allergen free, right? It sound that sounded niche to me, and I didn't want to create something niche. But over time, when I made Sweet Lawrence allergen free, it actually made us universal. Because then it was like, oh, we're we can get just anyone who wants simple, good ingredients and higher quality taste and a brand that they trust and love. Oh, but by the way, now there's millions of other people that are completely ignored in the supermarket that have a dietary restriction or food allergy, and they want to stay away from processed grains or egg or dairy or nuts, and there's nothing for them. So when I did that, we were able to actually like raise our price point to a healthy price point, have a healthier margin, really separate ourselves from the conventional cookie dough on the shelf. And really actually be an incredibly powerful incremental business to the supermarket because all of a sudden we're bringing in consumers that would walk right by the cookie dough section in the past. But now they actually see themselves there and they can, there's something that fits their healthier lifestyle. So, and again, just scrappy, scrappy. I looked at every dollar spent, kept a really lean team. Last year was the first year that we've had a real marketing budget. So our whole business has been like word of mouth. It's been an amazing like fans that have helped kind of grow the company and just grow distribution. So just staying super scrappy and like only when I could afford things is when I actually did. So last year I hired a president, I hired a full C-suite team. I couldn't have afforded that before, you know? So, and I think that, you know, that's, that's what's exciting is now. And cause it's, as you said, it is not cheap to work with supermarkets. You have to pay six figure slotting. A lot of the time you have to agree to do, you know, quarterly promotions and if it doesn't move, if the product doesn't move enough, it's not going to be on shelf for long. So like you got to commit to whatever the retailer is asking for and find a way to, you know, really work with them. And so I think that 
just learning how the industry works, figuring out a model, our model that fit it and, you know, growing over time and being patient until we can afford it. And so for the last seven plus years, we've been, you know, really healthy, really profitable and um, just don't plan on, you know, I say no to things that don't fit our model if they don't work for us, if they don't work for our margin. No, I love that, Lauren. I think, you know, you saying being patient, you growing the business over 10 years, like you just recently hired your president, C-suite, like now for the next decade that you have ahead, I'm sure you guys are going to be doing so many things. And one thing that I love that you've mentioned, you know, a few times in this journey is the essence of mentorship and having people around you and also you asking questions and figuring things out, I think is so so key. Like I love because you're, you know, a solo founder, it's tough. So the fact that you have someone who's, you know, an investor who you meet with on a two hour basis weekly, like I love that. Like just having that accountability, I think is so key. And, you know, them being able to kind of coach you. And you said, right when we started, like you are very coachable, you have no problem asking questions. I love that. And I think that's, you know, a huge aspect of your success. And, you know, one question I'd love to kind of end with is you prioritize, I mean, you've mentioned multiple times, like you want to make sure you're having fun, right? You live this one life. Obviously business can be tough, challenging, right? It's kind of the name of the game or else everybody would do it. But how do you look at kind of like self-care and making sure that your mind is right? You know, I know you have two young kids right now, you know, the business continues to grow. So how do you kind of keep your mental stamina and make sure that you're sane? It's a great question. I think in the early days, I had a really good lesson hit me in that in the early days, I gave everything to my business. And granted, I wasn't married yet. I didn't have children. Uh, so it was way easier, but I gave everything. I, I just blood, sweat and tears. What any time of night, every day, like whatever, it was too much. I overextended myself way too much. Like any coffee, like I would try to make a dinner and then a cocktail hour and then a networking event and then try to see my friends. And I would just, I was so exhausted. And it got to the point where like I ended, I was almost like, I hate this now. Yeah, like, totally. I'm exhausted. I don't have a life. I missed some of my friends' weddings. You know, I've had to make choices. And what am I left with, you know? And my sister is a life coach now. And so she had me do this thing that I'll never forget that changed, just changed my whole perspective was like, imagine your life is like a wheel, like a tire and it's, you know, you're going on a path. And even in that wheel, you know, split it up into like pizza slices of like what your life is really made of. So like, your business can't be the whole thing, right? Like where's your spiritual part? Where's your health and wellness? Where, you know, physically, mentally, friends, romance, kids, adventure, financial goals, like split up your life into all the things that like, you know, you want and then color in, you know, how much of that kind of pizza slice, how full it is for you, you know? And I realized like just my like work life was full, like everything else was empty. And like that wheel that's like going around, you know, driving somewhere is going to be clunky and clunky and clunky until like the whole wheel is really full. And I just learned that very early on that like, even in my wildest dreams, Sweet Lawrence is a billion dollar business mm -hmm. and I am not physically fit, mentally fit, don't have the love of my life, don't have children, don't have time to like celebrate, have adventures, travel, be with friends, have deep friendships, have, I just was like, I'm going to be miserable. Like yeah. I'm doing this business to have freedom, to be able to like explore all those different parts of my life and to have a full life. And so very early on, I just, and this is why I became so passionate about hiring a great team and definitely hiring like, you know, a president now and a full C-suite so that I can have time with my kids. I can have time. If, if Lauren needs a minute because she's about to go on a podcast interview and us to get ready and whatever, or, or like, you know, my kid is sick. My, I have a business that is sustainable without me for the most part. I mean, I'm still very, very involved, but you know what I mean? It's, it's moving on a daily basis without me. If I took a vacation, if I was sick for a week, if I want to be with my daughters in the morning. So I think that having a really great team has made it stable. Creating a three-year plan, it's very specific, has made it very stable because we're on the same page in terms of where the company's going. So it's like, sure. you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, just run the company. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll both know what that means. It's like, 
very clear goals for every department on where we want to be over the next three years so that it's kind of easy for them each to run, you know, their own departments. And I think for me, it's so important to me to fill myself up. So like, I am so selfish about self-care. I work out every single day, non-negotiable. I figure out how to fit it in. I give time for myself to meditate, to take a lot of deep breaths, to make sure I feel really good in my body, physically, mentally. I love working out. I love the natural endorphins. I love like the strength it gives me to then take on the world. Like if I, if I've had a good workout, I don't care how crazy my kids are. I don't care how crazy the business is. I can handle anything. And so I think finding ways to just get rid of any stress I have and to really center myself, to check in with myself, to be connected to myself, fill myself with like my favorite foods, you know, girl time, like dinner. I always have like dinners with girlfriends and you know, date night's really important with my husband and, and being able to like turn off my phone and just be present with my kids, you know, where before the old me would have never been able to do that. Cause like, I was just trying to multitask too much and it never made me happy because I could never be anywhere a hundred percent, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I think it's just really important to be selfish about self-care and like feel your best. Cause all I really want to do is give, but if my cup isn't full, I can't give. So I just try to always keep myself full. I love that. I know it's so true. It's so interesting because you mentioned something like if you're giving so much and it's nonstop, there are days where you're like, I hate this. Um, I'm based. And it's like, this is a life I created for myself. The whole point, a lot of entrepreneurs like value freedom and impact. You just kind of get jaded. And I've definitely had moments and you're like, what's the point of all this? If you're unhappy, like you're, you're not showing up like your best in the world, or it's like your whole life is business. Like, where's everything else in your life? Like, you know, I love that your sister mentioned that wheel, but you know, I, I also have been there and you know, it's a good reflecting point. Cause you're like, I don't want my life to be this way. What do I need to do? And boundaries is like, so important. I'm still working on that. Oh, like me too. <laughs> of course. That, boundaries and communication are like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it daily, but like, I will say sometimes I feel like superwoman too much. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like totally. I get my workout in or whatever. I feel great. I feel energized. I'm like, I can do anything. Okay. I can join this call and I'm hop on this. I'll do this podcast. I'll go to this event. Oh, yeah. um, you know, make dinner for the girls. Oh, oh, like, you know, oh, my husband has a work call. Okay. Like I'll put them to bed by myself. And then all of a sudden I'll see this like anger and resentment yeah. mount in me. <laughs> and then finally it gets to the point where like, I don't ask for help soon enough. Like I wait till like yeah. I'm about to burst. And then, you know, I'll be like, you know, and then then maybe my husband and I will get into a fight or something. Then I realize like, you know what? I've taken on too much. I need you to like, you know, you need to come and do half and half. And so like, again, communication, catching myself before I get there. Um, And honestly, not trying to be like, I think I'm always trying to be superwoman. And it's like, for, for what? For what? Like, like, you know, I just trying to find that equilibrium of like communication, partnership, and what's a healthy amount to take on so that I don't end up hating it, so that I am in a good mood, so I'm not run down, you know, just always trying to find that good balance. That's so funny. No, I definitely, I mean, we don't have kids yet. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I could do it all. And I get so inspired and I do so much. And you look at my calendar and literally my husband, like this really hit me. It was like six months ago. Cause you know, I felt overwhelmed week over week. And he's like, let me see your calendar. So I should, and he's like, this is, this is delusional. Like, it's actually, like, when do you eat? When do you do that? You know, it's, and it's true. Like when he said delusional, I was like, you're right. Like, yeah. and it's, maybe it's healthy to be a little delusional because you have to be when you're bringing anything to life. But it really hit me like, okay, I'm not a robot. Like I'm a human. I need to like scale it back a little bit. And similar to you, like before you pop off at the end of the night, like how do you kind of make sure you're not bubbling up to that level? So yes. Yeah. And I think like when you start something like the hustle and the fun is like, I mean, it's kind of fun at the beginning when it's just yeah. like, oh my God, it's crazy. And it's like, you have to do whatever it takes. And, and like, I think like having a crazy delusional schedule is okay for like a moment in time. But then when you're like, okay, well, first of all, that happened to me when I was in like my twenties and early thirties. Like now I'm like, it's a different stage starting a business, you know, with a family. Cause like you're even more divided on time, but I think like long-term, you just got to think about like, what, what is truly going to be sustainable here, you know, and where am I going to thrive? And where's the business Mm going to thrive? Like, I don't, maybe I don't need to hire 10 people day one. I mean, our team, we're still less than 20 people and, you know, it's a very small team for the size business we are. And so we, you know, we still try to keep it, but, you know, we hire people as we need, but we try not to like have excess layers, you know? So I think that like, it's just, it's a constant check-in of like, 
where are we? What's sustainable? What's too much, but also what's not enough? Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I could talk to you for so long. Lauren. We'll, <laughs> we'll end on, you know, what's next for you guys? What's getting you excited, whether it's like personally or with the business? Would love to hear. So I'm so so freaking excited. Um, we are, I mean, I'm, I have more passion for this business than I ever had. I think especially because we have a great team. I'm just like, Oh my God, like it's not all on me anymore. I can enjoy it and like step away and like give in a different way and, and be there for my family. So like I'm, I'm nourished in all parts of my life, but so I think for me, it's February now in a next month, we're going to debut some new products. I can't tell you what they are yet, but they're game changers. Oh so, my gosh, so excited. like Sweet Lawrence is um, launching more flavors of cookie dough and new products. We also have breakfast biscuits that we launched just the end of last year in Whole Foods in the cookie aisle. And those are starting to be sold kind of everywhere. They're on Amazon as well now, Amazon Prime. So it's just like easy to grab. And so, yeah, we're, we're growing, we're growing into new products. And I think that like, this has been a decade of me dreaming about these things. And they're, again, the patience and the perfection are finally coming to life. So, you know, the goal is just to take Sweet Lauren's, you know, as big as we can get and just reach our potential and do as much good in the food industry as we can. So I think that's like what I'm most excited about. Oh my God, I have goosebumps. I'm so excited to see everything. And just you even saying you even have more passion for the business. Like that makes me so happy. I can't wait to see everything that's coming out next month. I'll definitely keep an eye out. But Lauren, thank you for being with us and just being so vulnerable on your journey. That was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.